Welcome to the Natural Physique Podcast with your host, Chris Rendell. Please follow along as I share my journey into natural physique development, drawn from over a decade of training, competing and coaching experience, as well as insights from well-respected guests. This podcast will provide you with valuable knowledge to take your physique to the next level. So without further delay, let's get stuck into the episode. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Natural Physique Podcast. And today I'm joined by by a very special guest, uh, someone who's played a massive role in helping out with the WMBF UK over the last couple of years. She had an incredibly successful first season back in 2022. It's uh, none other than Sarah Glanville. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm really good, thanks, Chris. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. For any of the listeners who don't know who you are or don't follow you on social media, are you able just to give like a little brief intro into yourself and, you know, how you kind of got into training and maybe competing back in 2022, was it? Was yeah. that when you competed? And then like currently what you're involved in, because you you play a big part in the WMBF UK. And I know you're you're sponsored by CMP as well, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you've done a great job of wrapping up my uh, <laughs> what's to know about me. But yeah, so I competed in 2022 across a number of federations as a bikini athlete. That was my first time competing and kind of my first experience in the bodybuilding world, world, really. Um, through that season, had a lot of different experiences and really fell in love with the community that is the WMBF UK. Um, I have, through that period of time, built a personal relationship with Stephanie Noble, the president of WMBF UK. And I have a life and a career outside of the fitness industry. And I have a skill set that has actually been quite useful to Steph and Stuart, who look after running the WMBF UK. And through the last year, have ended up taking on a few different roles and jobs for them um, and coming into this year have we're setting up for a really big 2024 so I've kind of looking after a lot of like the social media and stuff for um, WMBF UK now uh, alongside Steph and Stuart still running all the all the stage stuff and the commercial stuff that make WMBF UK tick and um, in terms of my competitive history as they competed in 2022 left that season um, as a world's athlete as part of the WMBF UK team uh, won my British title and the feedback that I got at that point was that I was probably better suited to figure than a bikini um, and that's basically been the training plan since then is powering into trying to put on a lot of muscle density to try and catch up to the figure girls and be ready to step back on stage as a figure athlete who's probably hoping to compete at the same level that I was competing at as a bikini athlete, which would be challenging for British titles and hopefully chasing down my WMBF pro card. Um, yeah, does that kind of wrap it up? Do you want yeah, to know, Matt? Yeah, that's brilliant. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, I've obviously, I've followed you on social media for a while and I kind of, um, like, we we both live in Scotland as well, so... Um, but it's it's incredible just to see your journey, like from starting competing in twenty twenty two, like giving it a go, like for the first time, and like where you are now and how your physique has advanced as well. Um, what is the like? What is the current off season like? What is that sort of step up from going from like bikini into figure? Is there is there quite a big difference? Are you noticing there's a big difference in terms of like level of muscularity and like how difficult? is it to kind of get to that level yeah so I guess a good place to start and, and I realized and answer this part of your first question as well is like where I how I started getting into training and then competing and then I'll answer that that second part about the the how that differs to what it is that I'm doing now so I found bodybuilding way late into my training career it wasn't even really on my radar like I was going into the gym just for the love of training and probably lived a very bodybuilder-esque lifestyle for a long time before I decided to compete I like a lot of young women found the gym fell in love with it understood how to start tracking calories and didn't develop a very good relationship with food in my early 20s and it took me 
a long time to repair that relationship with food. Like I went into a real binge restrict cycle, looked healthy enough on the outside, on the inside, it was not what it was not functioning the way that I, I should be. My relationship with food was terrible. And through a lot of hard work, internal work, trying to build rebuild that relationship, I basically got myself into a really good position over a long period of time with food and with training with nutrition and I was literally training the things that I enjoyed and building a good yeah structure and relationship between working for strength and building muscle and enjoying the food that I was eating at the same time so over a long period I repaired that and then the train sort of training that I enjoyed doing was always lower body um legs a lot of deadlifts and I really neglected upper body training because it doesn't come naturally to me. So I'm very long limbed. So my bench is absolutely awful. Uh, always has been. But I'm a good deadlifter. Working worked hard on my squat to my biomechanics don't really lend itself to a squat, but I worked really hard to develop that as a skill. And yeah, just completely neglected upper body. So when I decided to start thinking about competing, I only ever thought about competing from this from the perspective of how muscular I was and bikini was the option like that was the only thing I thought that would be a good fit for me because I was nowhere near muscular enough in my upper body for anything different and I went through the prep it went relatively well I decided to target the Scottish season uh, which, as you know, Chris is like summertime. So yeah. that was my first show was um, the UKDFBA Caledonian. And then from there, decided to bulk out with a couple of other shows, the PCA show, a two bros show. And then UKDF, um, WMBF UK first timers was kind of the July. So I ended up pushing that out. So it'd be like a six week period of four shows. And at that point, ended up qualifying for every British final. I won the overall at first timers in bikini and decided to push it out to the end of the year go to finals and um, my plan was to do UKDFBA PCA and WMBF UK finals WMBF UK finals was first and I qualified for the world's team and I decided to withdraw my resources from competing in the other finals and going to worlds because you have to pay to play in this sport and everything costs money and living in Scotland you have to travel down south for the finals it ends up being a weekend away so I took my money back out of those finals and focused on Worlds six weeks later but as I said earlier my feedback after Worlds was that my genetic structure is really really suited to figure and it's something that I had never thought about before I started competing um I had just thought about muscular density and then leanness, so like how lean I'd pushed myself during the prep, which for bikini is the softest look. And I had just never thought that I'd get to figure anytime soon. Like I had thought I might end up there eventually because I love training, but it wasn't a plan that I was going to do that. Like I, I've said this to a number of people now. I made a right idiot of myself because I was going around telling everyone the whole way through 2022 can't wait to go away like pack on size and come back as a bikini athlete because every girl goes and does one season as bikini and then goes and does figure and I'm yeah. not going to do that I'm going to go be a bikini girl and I'm going to be like the poster girl for bikini natural bikini because people don't do it people don't stick it out they either go and compete with enhanced um, enhanced federations or untested federations or they go and move to figure so I made a right idiot of myself because I told everyone I wasn't going to do that and then when I stepped off stage and looking at my comparison shots at Worlds, I was just like half a foot broader than every other girl on that stage. And it's something I say to people, like if you get the opportunity to compete at that level, take it because you can be the best on a British stage and then you go to compete at a Worlds level with all the other champions from across the world and it's the best level of feedback that you'll ever get. Like, how do you actually fit the class criteria? And I'm just broader than bikini. So bikini is a, a really elongated look. I'm a broad girl. I've got a really strong X frame. Um, but I just don't ha didn't have the muscular density for figure. There was just nowhere close to it. Um, especially being in a prep that long, I was really flat and and lean by the end of um by the end of prep. So. 
that's the plan as I've kind of been taken along off season um I got a coach for the first time as well um I had worked with my ex on my um fit my my programming and I'd done all of my nutrition historically and through my prep Um, and I I decided to get a coach and who knew what she was talking about Um, and that's part of the reason why Steph and I have developed a close relationship because Steph coaches me and um, if anyone knows anything about building a figure physique it's Steph Noble Um, and she basically was like we're just going to need to start prioritizing upper body training your legs are actually pretty pretty close to where we need them to be obviously it doesn't hurt to put work into it but I have just been hammering up her body like there's been points in the last year and a bit where I've been on one leg session a week with, or like training my legs once a week which mm. is just not like nowhere close to what my training used to be like and it's involved me facing into weaknesses which is something personally for me I actually have I don't love to do yeah. <laughs> like I'm a very competitive person and I love being good at stuff so having to strip it back and be like look you're like I'm weak here and I just and I need to work on it and really dialing into the mindset that bodybuilding isn't about who can shift the most weight it doesn't matter what you lift when you're standing on stage what actually matters is if you've challenged yourself and you've nailed execution of lifts and you're you know it's, it's heavy for you so I've just had to dial my mindset into working on the weak areas and actually has been pretty rewarding because I've been, despite the fact I've been training for like eight years, I've been exceptionally undertrained in my upper body and I've probably seen a lot of like newbie gains in the last the last year. Like my my shape has changed massively since November 2022. Um and I was originally planning to compete this year. But coming into this year, Steph started talking about prep timelines and I was just like to her, would you hate me if I didn't want to compete this year? I want to push it out to next year. Um, And that's because I don't underestimate how probably blessed I am with the broad shoulders that when I do come back, I want to, I want a, I want an oh shit moment for want of a better word. Like I want to step back out on stage and for yeah, people yeah. to go damn like that's a different person than 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 one in 2022 at bikini so i am just putting in the time and natural bodybuilding's a game of time and it's a game of longevity so stick out for another year i'd get another year under my belt um last year was pretty like i had a lot of personal change in my life and probably we talk about optimal wasn't an optimal year for my bodybuilding but um I still made a ton of progress. So to me, it's really exciting. What can I actually achieve now that I am dialed in and I don't have external stressors and distractions and I can just focus on what I need to do? Um, I guess the other big change, this is a really long answer. I'm so sorry, Chris. Not at all. This is all like very <laughs> interesting as well. Um, and... the, the I think probably one of the biggest things that have changed for me in my upper body training is the intensity that, I've, that I'm applying to it. So even we're talking through the last year, tra- and training with intensity is something you hear people say a lot. And I think I've been there with my with my upper, with my my lower body training for a long time and kind of taken it for granted, like being able to push through um, and actually get to very close to failure if you're not training to failure, getting very close to it. Um, and just yeah having that mindset of when you go into the gym and you're dialed in and it's something that just wasn't there for me for upper like because I'd never enjoyed it I'd never consistently applied that effort and intensity and if it got hard I would just be like oh like okay and I hadn't realized how big a difference there was in my training until Steph really started pushing me to challenge myself to think like a pro athlete like a pro athlete like if that's the goal I need to go in and be acting like uh, a pro athlete. And I've trained with Steph a couple of times and it's something that she re- remarked on when we were training up her. It's like, she's like, you've got more there. You're not yeah. you're, and like challenging me to be like, you need to, you need to try harder. Um, so that I would say in like the last six months is something, a skill that I've really been trying to work on is, is bringing that intensity 
to to the other to every day in my training and to every sort of day because even now like I would say still like pull is easier for me than push push is what's hard for me um so it's just getting into that mindset um and and even if it's I think it's like that perception thing when you see on social media other people doing like lifting like so much more than you and it's almost like you get like it feels sell I should feel silly like struggling with a lower weight but then it's like you that mindset has has had to go like it's just yeah. not worth dwelling on doesn't matter what anyone else is doing and um yeah I'm just dialed in for the reasons that I want to be training and I want to be competing I think that's like one of the biggest pieces of advice I give to people who are trying to get into bodybuilding is like take the comparison away from others like it's not just in that prep where you're like comparing yourself to others and how lean people are looking but also in the off season where you're seeing perhaps other people lifting sort of heavier weights but that's not you like you know you can easily get caught into that and just lift weights for the sake of lifting weights and sacrifice your form um but it sounds like you've got like you know having Steph there I think that's like the key part is like having a good coach who's like on you and being able to train with someone who's at that higher level that just gives you a whole new appreciation of like this is how intense I need to train this is how hard I need to train my upper body to bring it to that next level yeah for for sure I think that it's very easy to get because I train on my own like I've never ever trained with someone like even at the very start of my kind of fitness journey I used to train with my sister and my friend and then very quickly they just were like this isn't I don't love this as much as you (laughs) and I was going to the gym my own and then I've trained on my own and I think it's um it is amazing when you have someone in your corner that you can train with every now and again. It's not regular for me and Steph because we live uh, in different parts of Scotland, but when we do, like, it's an education for me. Um, and and I think that I've always felt really like I felt so dialed in mentally around the comparison thing when I was competing. Like, it was never. I honestly never looked up who I was going to compete against. Like just wasn't on my radar at all like I just was so just only cared about what I achieved and if I felt like I was better I was really happy with that um but I think that there's so much pressure on social media and I don't know if you find this Chris I've been up in Scotland because we don't have like the big like ultraflex like sort of community style gyms up here like I know you train in extreme in, in Glasgow or at least yeah. you did um but we don't have that in Edinburgh and yeah. it's it's hard like your whole world comparison is these people who have huge followings and stuff on Instagram that is literally who you're looking at and you're comparing yourself against there is the the, the people who are content generators on yeah. social media with the quality of their training is so high and our gyms don't look as good as theirs does and it's like the, just the whole thing like it's it, I think you can get very negatively caught up in that comparison if you let if you let yourself and for me like that's been the big a huge thing through this year is like just don't care what anyone else is doing what do you want to be doing where do you want to be and you have to go to the gym with the attitude that that is what you're going to achieve and that, like that you need to be like I literally go into the gym and think right well what would a pro figure competitor do because I need to do that or more today like that's what I need to get out of today's session and yeah like it's it is rewarding because I've felt like I've seen big changes in my physique and uh, people have commented on it as well and I'm just slightly nervous for the point in time where my newbie gains stop rolling and um, and I start becoming a bit more of a seasoned um trainer in my upper body but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it I think that's it as well it's like it just it does just take so long when you when you're a natural and uh it takes long to kind of build up intensity so you probably built your intensity in your lower body and then you're still building up kind of getting to that level intensity with your your upper but um, I, I think you're doing the right, like a smart move by just kind of waiting for next year to compete, like taking your time. Obviously, you mentioned last year was 
a little bit challenging personal wise and that's the thing like it can't always be optimal that's another thing you see with social media is like the big gym or the big sort of social media profiles maybe it kind of portrays the image that or some of these people might portray the image that their life is really optimal but i don't think that's necessarily the case either that's why you just have to kind of like you know focus on what you're doing and bettering yourself 100 percent, and like what even what is optimal like ge- genuinely yeah. because i like see for me so i've got a really busy full-time job that's involves me traveling up and down the uk regularly um i i've had like i mentioned obviously personal change in circumstances and stuff like i live further away from the gym than i did um i live further away from town so my commute to work is longer like all of these things that could be seen as not optimal i am the happiest version of myself at the moment and i just plan ahead and I get my sessions done and I eat my meals and I get my sleep in and like I make it work for me and I think when you stress over the minutia and you're like oh my god I'm 20 minutes out from eating my protein serving that I'm supposed to have every x number of hours like you're over complicating this and you're stressing yeah. yourself out I think if you are just content in yourself you're fulfilled by the life that you're living you're enjoying your training your training's progressing you're eating enough food getting to bed on time and like that's nailed like honestly that to me is optimal like that's the best version of me that I could have with my bodybuilding whilst also having a life that fulfills me in other ways yeah I I think that's a key point is like having having a life outside of bodybuilding to whatever extent that may look like um I always kind of question people. I'm always say like, what would happen if you were to injure yourself and you couldn't bodybuild anymore? How would you feel about that? Do you have any other areas in your life which mean a lot to you? So it's like kind of building those other areas and other aspects of your life which mean a lot to you. Just not putting all your your complete all in in bodybuilding, I think is kind of quite important in some sense and probably important for your longevity in the sport as well. 100% because if you're if you're if your happiness is tied exclusively to how training's going or if you're then comp- you know in prep and you're competing your look day to day or your results on stage if that is what your happiness is tied to you're letting a lot of people a, a lot of people with like nothing to do with your life control your happiness and like I think it just has to be about like I I say I've said this re- recently um on the WNBF UK podcast actually like but you're not a bodybuilder because you compete you're a bodybuilder because of the lifestyle that you live and it's all yeah. the bits that make you a bodybuilder so I think if you can you can love bodybuilding and it can be a big part of your life and it can be a big source of your happiness but I don't think it can be about it can't be the only thing that you're happy that make you happy or that you're totally tied to the results at the end of the day yeah absolutely um i think i think this might tie quite nicely into the next question i was going to ask you um um what sort of advice would you give like women kind of looking to get into the sport so maybe like thinking back to when you started training and you're like i'm gonna give that bodybuilding thing a go and i think you touched on maybe something which is quite important was the fact that you did you came from a past where you had like um eating an eating was it an eating disorder or did you have I would call like, it disorder really, eating. Yeah. 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 And and you but you combated that first before like really getting into bodybuilding. And perhaps I don't know if I'm kind of generalizing here, but more so I see maybe on the women's side of the sport. I could be completely wrong, but a lot of women getting into it maybe because they come from that sort of history of like a poor relationship with food and maybe kind of going into bodybuilding because of that and obviously like bodybuilding it is an extreme sport it's not a completely ordered way of eating I guess you could say but um yeah I guess what advice would you give on that like women getting into the sport um and kind of where to start okay start with the disordered eating piece because you're completely right and it's not just women in bodybuilding like it's the, it's it's women right like it's honestly women we're 
I would say men up, as well, though. There, like are, even, de- there are definitely men who are brought up who have disordered eating, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diet culture is like ingrained into young women. Like, I remember yeah. being like young, like getting to go out to buy my school lunch. So, like, it was the, fir- like, the first time we got to do that in high school. So, you must be what, like 13? Yeah. Going to Tesco um, next to the school. And buying a bag of salad for my lunch, like you know, like a like an actual plastic bag that you would buy, like a bag of salad. Yeah, that was, yeah. and that was it. Bag of salad and a juice, right? Yeah. Because I was like, oh my god, I'm fat. I need to yeah. lose weight, and that comes from somewhere. That's because our mums talk about being on a diet all the time. Your aunties are talking about it. Your older siblings or your older friends, everyone is always on a diet, and I think young women are programmed to think that it, at least at some point every year they have to be on a diet so when I got into the gym I just wanted abs like that was yeah. what I wanted like I had always been a really active kid like when I was at primary school like I competed in gymnastics I used to be like the school like the class freak show like I had a six pack and I used to like that was my show and tell was like my six pack when I was a yeah. kid right so I then had got to high school and stopped doing all my sport because it wasn't cool, right, to be a sweaty kid at school. So this is the other thing about being a girl, right? So you you go to high school and all your physical activity stops for the most part for a lot of young women. And then you're introduced to diet culture and you get autonomy over your food choices. Um, but I left, I left high school, got into the gym very, very early 20. I think I was about 20 when I started going to the gym. And introduced to macro track like it wasn't even macro track and it was like calorie counting yeah and it was like this makes complete sense to me because yeah. i can eat x and i lose weight like i just need to eat this weight eat this amount and i'll lose x amount of weight and my whole life became about eating like that except it got to the point where i was eating so little that i was then binging and I got into like a binge restrict cycle and it yeah. lasted for probably about three years. And I was so miserable, like yeah. panic about eating out. Like someone would be like, do you want to go for food? And I would literally be like, how do I get out of do like how can I get out of eating out? Because I just want to eat what I want to eat. And if I did go out for a meal, I would be like off on a binge because I didn't know what I'd eaten. I didn't know like how much of what I had. And and it was like very, like, very, very um to and fro. Like it was either couldn't control myself or I had like far too much control and I would like punish myself for having a binge. Um and it got to the point where I had started like making myself sick and I was like I can't do this anymore like this is ridiculous because I've also started building a career and I was like like a serious like had serious goals for myself and I was just controlled by this by by food and it's all I thought about every day um and I loved training the whole way through it it was just the food part was the issue so I did a lot of like internal works probably how I would what I would call it my sister, I think there must be something genetically like that we're programmed in a certain way. She had, she developed anorexia around Mm. the same time and she, the doctors intervened and she ended up getting referred to the Royal Edinburgh because her weight was so low and she was having like, she had like, like there's something wrong with her kidneys. So she got referred like as an outpatient to Royal Edinburgh and at the same time, some we worked at the same place a manager at work had said to me what's going on with your sister like she is ill and mm-hmm. I was like this guy was my manager and I was like to him actually I'm really not okay either and yeah. he was like you look fine you're not you're not skinny though so it's fine and I was literally like I can't talk to anyone about this because mm-hmm. they're not going to take me seriously and I was like I need to sort this myself so I signed up to <laughs> do my precision nutrition and I did my precision nutrition qualification to understand why I was the way I was around food and what actually happened when food went into my body and like understand the physiological and like 
neurological happenings of what why I was feeling the way I was feeling around food and I just started like journaling and I and I didn't get any sort of professional help but I knew I needed to fix it and I'm a very stubborn person so I took on that challenge myself and probably spent about a year maybe two years by the time I felt like I was through it but like a year of just really like having to face the fact that I wasn't okay and then yeah kind of came out of it felt like I'd repaired my relationship with food and that was I say like not an overnight thing that probably took about a year before I would actually have said like I actually have a good relationship with food and good relationship with food and training and through that like time period someone had said to me like oh you should compete and I was like I can't like I can't compete because without actually knowing the details of what it would take to go through a prep I was like I can't diet like I can't because if I diet I'm going to binge like I just was like if I restrict my food I'm going to binge um and then as I say it was probably about two years after having like faced like fixed this relationship with food that the idea of competing so I could I seen someone who lived in Edinburgh was competing at a, a female and I was like I could do that like muscular wise like I could do that and then I was like the thought that I'd told myself I could never do it started like eating at me I was like no I can do this like I can do this I just need to be very realistic about what my triggers are going to be here and be very ready to pull the plug the minute that this doesn't work and the minute that I start getting into bad behavioral patterns with foods like it it's stopping yeah um so I just took a really long run up at it like I knew my weakness was going to be and probably if someone sees me on stage they'll probably laugh what I think my weakness was going to be would be my posing like I was like I can't pose like I was I was never like a dancer or anything like that I used to go to dance class and get shoved to the back because I was like the eyesore in the dance class and um I was just like I can't pose so I got a posing coach really early out like probably about eight months before I started prep and yeah and started posing um and I just literally ramped my food up like I was doing all my own nutrition at that point ramped my food up really high um and then went into prep and just was very much to like to Steve at the time like you need to call me on any sort of like secretive behavior with food like I'm not hoarding food I unfollowed every restaurant food and stuff on social media like I wasn't sitting I know people sitting like hoard like food porn stuff I just was like no like not happening I'm not setting myself up for a failure the minute I started prep I basically mentally started preparing myself for off season for like post show and how hard that was going to be and I loved prep like I genuinely got into my groove and prep in terms of food like I wasn't particularly hungry um even like the whole way through like don't get me wrong you do get a little bit hungry but I wasn't like starving I was never sitting like secretly eating or anything like that and then I just when I finally got to go into post show which was a lot later than I'd originally planned we were in LA and I'm really glad that I was with the people that I was with um because I, I ended up David Langsdale, Brad Taylor, Steve and I ended up kind of spending a lot of that post-show week together. And Dave is a really seasoned competitor, very together. And we ended up just like eating at the same time. Like he normalized having a really easy going break out of like out of like post show like I didn't yeah. we didn't go out and go mad like we literally like we went to Chipotle one day and we had an In-N-Out burger and it just wasn't like wild at all like I was eating what I wanted to eat but there was no mad desire to go like stuff my face with anything and I think that that was in part to the work that I'd done and I'm very very rec- I can recognize patterns of what will lead to a binge so I was avoiding doing that myself but also the people around me were doing the same thing and by the time I got home from LA again had a few like social stuff planned but I just had a really like 
actually enjoyable post-show experience which I feel for a lot of people isn't their experience first time round but it's because I've done all the crap before like that's yeah. the reason why is I've done or made every mistake that there was to make with food and I just came into my first po post-show experience with a lot of experience and how to handle that that desire to throw the like throw the towel completely in and, and, and binge and I guess that would be my advice finally get into the answer to your question Chris. i'm so sorry not at all like no. it's, it's really <laughs> interesting to hear your own story because yeah. you hear you hear so many different stories online and I, I feel like people have quite a strong voice if they've gone into bodybuilding and it hasn't maybe hasn't worked out the for right them and um, but that's someone else's experience and it's it's good to hear your experience and how positive it's been and it yeah. kind of draws positive light on bodybuilding because, you know, typically bodybuilding does have a lot of negative connotations as being a sport with disordered eating and kind of plagued with that. But I don't necessarily think it has to be the case. And in some case, like, yeah, I think you can have a pretty good relationship with food and be in the sport. Um, but I yeah. agree. I agree. And I think that the this where someone starts will be a very realistic predictor of how well that post-show period goes. Yeah. The number of women, and probably men, but let's talk about women, because yeah. of how accessible the bikini class is, because it doesn't require a massive amount of muscle density to, to step on stage and look competitive, or look like you belong there, right? I think that we talk about different federations and stuff, but as a natural bikini athlete, you can step on stage and step out in the best physique that you've ever had and look like you belong on stage and not carry a massive ton of muscle. Because it is very accessible, you'll have a number of women who will go to a gym for six months, someone in the gym competes or they see someone on social media that competes and they go, I want to do that. Or someone says to them, you should do that. Yeah. And then before they know it, they've never properly dieted in their life and they're headlong into a prep. And they've probably got a coach who's talking, taking them through it, who's pushing them further in a diet than they've ever been close to. And they begin to develop what will turn into obsessive food behaviors. So they're just thinking about the day that prep finishes and they can go eat this stuff that they've been missing because they've not been allowed to have it. Um, I'd say a large part of why I had also had a, a, a good post-show experience was because I managed my own nutrition through that prep. I I didn't, like, I never seen it as, oh my God, someone has cut out this thing that I love. Like, it was me yeah. that was making a conscious choice and I understood why I was picking the food choices and I have a level of education, understanding, right? But I think when you don't understand why you're eating the food that you're eating, you don't understand why you're not having the food that you maybe historically have always eaten and you've never dieted to the extremes or close to the extremes that you need to for a prep for a, for a prep and for a bodybuilding show. And then you come out of post-show and it's just like, I want to have all this stuff. And the number of people that are hoarding food, like they've got like a cupboard full of stuff that they're going to eat when they're done, um, They've, they're following all this stuff on social media and like saving like I literally call it food porn like people call it food porn like you are setting yourself up to have a really tough time because your yeah your environment is literally set up for you to binge and the thing about a binge is you binge you feel bad you restrict and then you binge again and it's you end up in this terrible terrible cycle um so I think that that's my first bit of advice would be if you want to compete, great. Oh my God, please come. Do the first timer show, right? Yeah. Amazing. And it's an amazing environment. It's for everybody if you want it. But be realistic with yourself about understanding what you're doing with the food side of things. And maybe it's not the worst thing to prep for a photo shoot and then do a little bit of an off season again and then prep for your prep. So you've got an experience of dieting and then handling the diet, like the post diet, um, and then then you know whether it's something that you want to do because that in itself is a very turbulent time, and people might enjoy the prep and they might enjoy the show, but that 
period after tends to be the bit that you see people literally turning against the sport and hating it because it's they feel like it's destroyed their lives and because yeah. and i've been there it, it does feel like that when you can't think of anything but eating crap um, yeah. it's it's not a nice place to be um the second bit of advice i would have is yeah. just around what i had what i said about i hadn't realized the level of detail that's involved in who wins and how bodybuilding shows are judged okay so like everyone kind of has an idea of muscularity and um definition or like how conditioned you are so that does that's kind of does have to be your first thought is you know how how muscular am i like what is my look going to be like on stage but with the women's classes you've got so many options like you've got four classes um that you can choose from and it's just very very good to understand how the classes differ a wee bit and I think you were going to ask me this question a little bit later as well Chris but yeah yeah like the depends on your genetic structure you might suit a class better um and also your confidence level on stage your presence on stage can have a big difference because men's physique is the, is the exact same that yeah it's part of it is of course your look but it's also how you present yourself on stage is a huge part. It's it, There's literally a presentation score in both classes. So, um, yeah, I think talk to someone who knows. So whether that is a coach or someone who competes or a federation, if you know which federation you want to compete with, like the DMs are always open. Like you can shoot the, the WMBF UK Instagram a DM and we'll come back to you with an answer. Um. There's class criteria and a lot of it is down to genetics, like how, how you're structured and how your frame sits as well as your muscular level and your how conditioned you can push yourself or how conditioned you want to push yourself as well. Yeah, no, I think that's great because, yeah, I think it is easy just to kind of go in. I, I was exactly the same when I started. I had no idea like about men's physique. I was just kind of just go into it and and I just need to get shredded and that's it. And then you kind of realize as I've done another couple of seasons, there is a lot more to this now. Um, and bikini is almost, I guess, the equivalent of an, on the female side of the sport as well. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think that is a great point you made about like, actually, uh, and I encourage anyone who comes on board with me to do a bit of a, an off season or like work with me for a little bit before going straight into prep. I'll rarely take someone on just to go straight into a prep because then we know we can build some education around uh, nutrition. Um, I, I don't overstep my mark either. Like, you know, if someone comes to me and they are experiencing some um, disordered eating patterns, like that's not my school practice. And it's like, you need to kind of go and go and um, work on that with someone else before kind of coming on and actually getting involved in the sport. But I think that is like, key to not only women but men as well looking to get involved in the sport 100 percent, yeah for sure yeah. cool um so just want to like chat about sort of your your recent involvement with wmbf uk because i competed back in 2021 which was the first year uh the wmbf uk had the the supernaturals and obviously i competed last year and there's been just a huge step up in like the level of production um, the whole competing experience from 2021 I couldn't believe it in the space of two years so um, what is what's been your involvement with WMBF UK um, and you know what what has kind of gone into kind of improving that sort of stage experience for the athletes and has it given you any in insights into the sport I know that's quite a loaded question but... <laughs> <laughs> no it's a great question um so I, th I completely agree. Like, I think that I went to watch that first show. So I seen you competing in 2021. Yeah. That was the first bodybuilding show I ever went to see. So I was decided I was competing purely from what I'd seen on social media. And then I went to um down to Birmingham to see the Supernaturals that first year. And then I competed the next year at First Timers and then at Supers. And... I think I said to you like that 
I competed with a couple of different federations and the experience that I had at WMBF UK was, it just felt different. Like I, you, you, you know this pain, right? You tr- literally, we have to travel eight hours in a car if you're driving, like for a show, if you if you come from Scotland and it was like the whole experience, the whole, from the minute that I walked in to get my tan the day before through to like, yeah, like registration through to like the, the makeup in the morning and then doing the show, like I felt like a valued member of a community, not like someone who like you, you pay to play, right? You want to feel yeah. like it's an experience. Um, so I got that from my experience with WMBFK. And I do, I can't, obviously didn't compete the first year, but since that first timer show, I've been at every show in some capacity because I I presented the shows last year. And I guess I have a a nice insight into the workings behind it because Steph, I have a personal relationship with Steph. She was my posing coach and, and we spoke the very first time we had met, she was talking to me about WMBF UK and what she was doing. And this was before the first show had happened. And she just spoke about it with such passion that I literally fell in love with what her vision was, like from that first day that I met her. Um, because WMBF UK is led by athletes. So like Steph has competed for a number of years and she's you and, and Stuart, um, the commercial director has competed for a number of years and Andrew Chappelle, who was involved up until last year, had competed for a number of years and they're pro athletes, they're experienced competitors and they have stepped on a number of different stages and they basically took all of the best bits of bodybuilding and tried to turn that into something that was for athletes. Um, it's supposed to be an experience, it's supposed to be a community and 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 I guess in the last last year, they they decided to start bringing in. They've always had people supporting backstage, but I had kind of said to Steph, um, "I want to help. So tell me what you need me to do, because I'll do whatever you need me to do. I'll help because uh, I want to be a part of it. And I'm not competing this year, and I want to give back, and I want to be a part of WMBF UK." And she asked, she pulled me aside at the beginning of last year and she was like, you say you want a job? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, get, I'll do whatever. Like I was thinking I was going to do like drug testing or like looking after the t-shirt stand. And she's like, yeah. do you want to do the podcast? And I was like, um, yeah, okay, I'll do the podcast. I haven't yeah. done a podcast before, but right, fine. Um, I can do that. And that was like the first thing that she said to me to do. So I like went away wrote up a guest list, went back to her and was like, okay, I've got the whole season for the year planned out. Every two weeks, drop a drop an episode. These are who I'm going to speak to. I messaged like everyone at the beginning of the year, like inviting them on. And I just ran with it. And I think like for me, like that opportunity was amazing. And I'm so grateful that she gave me that opportunity. But it's because I, I me and her had had so many conversations about the vision of what she wanted to do. And she wants to use WMBF UK as an education tool on natural bodybuilding. It's not just a federation, it's not just shows, it's about how do we bring a community of people together who all love the same thing and we're all passionate about the same thing, but it's such a lonely sport. Like how do we how do we build a community out of this? So that's the podcast is, you know, we talk to people and we do exactly what you're doing. Um, yeah. And we bring people's stories to life and we sh- we sh- we highlight the opportunities that are available with WMBF UK and with natural bodybuilding as a sport and try to, we for so long, natural sport, natural bodybuilding has not had the, the attention that it's deserved. And we've been overshadowed by untested federations who have invested the time in social media, invested the time in the marketing of the sport and we have become almost seen as the second the second part of bodybuilding when we were here before before the, the untested side of the sport yeah. right people were competing were competing and were training naturally so 
that's what WNBF UK is. It's a community and it's an athlete experience and it's an athlete-led federation. So that then led into presenting the shows because Steph had historically compared the shows and tried to liaise between the judges' table and Stuart backstage and she was trying to do the show piece. So it's just about continually levelling up. So last year, Dave and I... um started emceeing the shows and that meant that Steph could focus on what Steph needed to focus on throughout the day and again showing opportunities that are given back to athletes that are invested in WMBF UK um so presented the shows which is something else I haven't done before and it was like madly nerve-wracking um I think I had like the same lack of sleep before presenting than I did like when I'm nervous for competing um but no it was an amazing amazing opportunity again amazing experience and then coming into this year um we've got big plans for 2024 and again I think it is just using the platform that the WNBF UK has to raise the profile of natural bodybuilding in the UK um to talk about what what it is to be a natural athlete and to encourage people to stay natural because there is so many opportunities within the WMBF UK, Um, whether that is as an athlete on our UK stages, whether that is supporting and giving back to the sport in other ways, or whether that is jumping on a plane and being able to do a European tour of the WMBF affiliates or going to the worlds and doing um you know the, the worlds in america it's um there's so many opportunities so that's what we're planning on doing this year is we've got some big announcements um we dropped our junior bikini class announcement earlier in the week when's this going to go out this will probably be out tomorrow okay fine tonight is that okay yeah that's fine tonight we're going to drop masters men's physique Oh, that is very exciting because I, I have potentially people <laughs> interested in that. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, Masters Men's Physique, um, Junior Bikini, new classes this year. We're obviously doing the pro show at Supers as well, which is going to be amazing. So, we're just leveling up this year, basically, leveling yeah. up again. And my involvement there is just supporting, yeah, just supporting a little bit of the, the hype stuff. So, helping a lot but with the social media and building the podcast and presenting the shows I think I mean I haven't been formally asked but I feel like that I'm kind of guessing maybe unless yeah. I'm unless I'm not unless I've been bumped because I was terrible last year you <laughs> did not. a brilliant job last year <laughs> don't worry um but yeah uh so that's kind of that's where we are it's I'm like so grateful I don't know how, you know, you're just a bit like, I don't know how I got here, but I got here. I think I just, I'm I'm genuinely passionate about it. And like we said before we started recording, like we always want help. So if you want to be involved, anyone listening, if you want to be involved, there is something that we we can ask you to do. And if you're passionate about the same things we are and you've got like a, a vision for what it is to be an actual athlete like that this is home like this is the home of that in the UK in in my opinion yeah I totally agree like the the experience with the WMBF is uh or WMBF UK in particular has just been was my best experience competing last year and I totally get that sense of community um which I didn't kind of experience with any other federation um and what has been so good is it's kind of it has you've been so active or WMBF UK has been so active on their social media so it's kind of matching some of these bigger uh, federations which have probably quite a lot of money and stuff um and it's really kind of putting it out there and showing people that you know there is an option to do this healthier and you're not going to take like years off your life you can follow this natural route there's a progression path for that um, and you can you can see it with all the other WNBF um, federations from across the world now, really like, and I, I feel like, I don't know, I might be kind of speaking out of place here, but I feel like the WNBF UK have had a massive role to play in that for all the other sort of WNBF um, federations coming out and really putting a big effort on the social media side of things and stuff as well. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, 
just trying to lead the way like that yeah. like don't like not worrying about what anyone else is doing or anyone else is saying um the the, the same thing with you know untested federations offering natural shows like all for opportunities for people to stand on any stage that they want to like I competed with a number of federations in my first year and we don't care like WMBFK don't care where anyone competes if they want to compete with us and they're a natural athlete we will have them um because it's that sort of open community but don't worry about what anyone else is doing and I say this to Steph all the time like don't worry about what anyone else is doing we know what we're doing and we know what we stand for and the right people are going to gravitate towards that and you know you've made a great point with like the other untested federations having big budgets and doing all this social media marketing and we're trying to keep up with that um because for for me personally looking at it from the perspective of a young female we talk about junior bikini right yeah i i am so glad that i didn't find the sport until i was like 26 26 yeah 26 yeah because if i was 18 and like sucked into that on social media and like like i would have not i would not have had the season that i had and i would not have had the off season that i'm having now um because i wouldn't have had the life experience that i that i had and great for people find the sport that young but we want them to find the community that's going to support them and to to keep them as an, as natural like junior bikini please come compete with wmbf uk yeah. first timers like it's an amazing opportunity and we'll look after you and like it's an education piece as well as an opportunity to step on stage yeah, I th- I think that's it. Like all the additional stuff that's coming out from the WMBF UK. Like I joined some of the educational sort of seminars they had last year. It's all really good um stuff that's coming out and it encourages you to follow um like a really sort of healthy route down into bodybuilding. Um, which yeah, I'm all for obviously. So yeah, it's really it's really cool to see. Um but anyway, I know um we're kind of maybe running out of time a little bit here, but um what's you <laughs> No, I know you're busy and it's uh, it's a Friday night. So um what's your plans for the future? Uh when when do you think you will compete? Um yeah, what what's the plans for you? Plan. The plan is next year. Next year. Um 2025. And my plan is I want my WMBF Pro card. Don't know whether that'll happen next year, but I want to give myself the best opportunity to do that. So right now, my plan is to ask Steph really nicely if I can go compete in the European affiliates with the European affiliates. Um, if you're a WMBF UK member you get permission off of the federation to go compete um with the other affiliates and then you can go compete anywhere in the world so i think i'll probably do a wee european tour maybe yeah because the the shows are all very close together so maybe ireland france germany a combination of those and then supernaturals with the hope to qualify for worlds and earn my pro card although that might be a bit ambitious and if I if I rockets next year and I'm like I'm not ready yet, then I might be twenty twenty six. But you know, I think right now I'm thinking twenty twenty five. Sounds like a plan. I mean, I'm next time I compete, I'm gonna do exactly the same. Just yeah, WMBF shows until because we've had quite a few stabs at it and it hasn't yet come, but it'll, it'll be there at some point. It's gonna come. It's just um, it's it's hard, and I think it is hard. Like. I know that I know that the the pro cards your goal as well. Yeah, um, yeah. it's hard having ambition like that because you're always just down to who steps on stage at the same time as you. Like that is yeah. when you're at the level that you're at, Chris. Like it's it's coming. It's just who else turns up on the day, and you're there's guaranteed to be a monster that no one has no one has seen before especially in men's yeah. physique it's just um it's just wild but 
you did Dubai and stuff last year, didn't you? I did, yeah. That that was an incredible experience as well. Definitely recommend that as kind of an experience. I mean, traveling, uh, competing abroad in itself is just incredible. It's it's a lot of stress getting ready for it, but the you know it's it's worth it. It's totally worth it. So, um, yeah. I think I think like me and you like chasing that pro car it makes it even more important that you truly just love the sport for what it is because you're not guaranteed a pro car at the end of the day as you say you, you no idea is going to show up so it's kind of taking each of those lessons like building upon that and just enjoying enjoying the ride really yeah and just enjoying the, uh, the fact that you're better than you were like yeah and i guess it's very easy to get comfy in off season because training feels like when you love the sport for the for all of the things that actually make it this a sport, right? And not the pageant that we all walk about on stage at the end yeah. of it, right? But when you love like training and the lifestyle and it gives you structure and that's what motivates you and that's what you enjoy the most. It's very comfy in off season because training feels good. You know, you're full, you've got like uh yeah, just everything everything's in a really good spot and you feel safe in the knowledge that you're getting better. <laughs> like you can just feel like I'm getting better. Yeah. Um and you don't have you nothing's to there's nothing to compare to your last your last showing, right? Because you're not anywhere close to lean. So I think that yeah, as long as I get down to stage condition and I look like a figure competitor you know I'm going to be I think that's that's realistically what I'm going to be happy with yeah. um but I, I I also think it would be naive to say like or not not honest to say that I, I think I have potential to to win my pro card at some point and I want to pursue that I see um, that. yeah 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 absolutely yeah um and yeah it's just it is literally just a case of you keep going and you know you keep improving yourself looking at okay like I'm I'm ready to to prep now because I'm happy with the work I've done during off season and I'm confident because you know it's so much time you invest in the prep so you're like you want to be happy with that final final package um especially when you're at that level and you're reaching for those kind of higher goals it's that is so important but yeah, yeah. It's been brilliant having you on, Sarah. There, there's one question I always finish with yeah. this question. Um, so I guess we've probably covered this question throughout the whole podcast, but what are your biggest life lessons from bodybuilding? Oh, I don't know if you've, we've answered this already. Maybe not, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, So I've always said I'm a very competitive person. Like in everything that I do, I want to be known to be good at it. That's just the way that my my mind is wired. But I think it's this is for me, bodybuilding for me is like the the physical manifestation of that. Like it's just continually if you work hard, you're resilient, you do things not because you want to, but just because it's part of your DNA almost like you you do things because it's yeah you've got a structure and a discipline to your life that you will make improvements and you will be better and that that the competition and is against yourself and and I try and try to take that attitude now into like everything that I do because you're never guaranteed to to win but if you're a very competitive person it's like how do you drive that energy into something that's constructive and yeah I mean I don't even know if that made sense but I think no, that that's totally my does. lesson yeah. yeah yeah that totally makes sense yeah. um that's an awesome one to take as well I always get different answers for that as well like and it's so <laughs> interesting but a lot of them are kind of like the similar idea so it's it's kind of obvious us, us uh, bodybuilders have a sort of similar thought process but um no that's really cool um, Sarah, can I can I say one more thing? Yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it. So I've also I also think that lean into if you if you're someone who's drawn to bodybuilding, you're probably someone who's like wired a certain way 
like you're 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 disciplined you're um yeah like you're disciplined you're probably like quite like I'm gonna say self-aware I don't know if all bodybuilders bodybuilders are <laughs> self-aware but you're you're very like you're probably like someone who's very driven to be the best version of themselves and you're disciplined you thrive on structure yeah and just lean into that like I think some people almost think that's a bad thing like for all the reasons we've talked about bodybuilding sometimes getting a bad a bad rap but if you are disciplined if you are structured like that is an amazing quality to have so like lean into the things that make you you and why they make they work for you like I don't know I think I've now I've probably ruined it because I had a nice one no, that that is brilliant well. <laughs> that is brilliant I, I honestly like really rate that I think people automatically as we've discussed this whole po podcast people automatically assume it's a bad thing if you're that type of person yeah. but if that's how you thrive then that's you and th okay. this is this yeah. is a sport for you you know um yeah it's brilliant I love that mm -hmm. um for for any of the listeners who want to give you a follow on social media or you know go and follow this sort of like WMBF podcast where can they go yes so well my social media is Sarah Glanville X um so you can follow me on social media it's yeah really just a lot of selfies and some really stupid reels that's what i post on social media so there's no educational value no con no educational content there um but if you do want educational content and you do want to follow um natural bodybuilding at its absolute best in the uk follow wmbf uk's instagram and I can't off the top of my head around what it is, Chris. So you can add that's it. That's so good. I'll I'll um link it down <laughs> below as well. Yeah. And I, that's perfect. And I post um I post the podcasts in there too. So when a podcast goes live, there'll be a reel up. We're gonna post our first one on Monday. Brilliant. Um of the new season. So that's Josh Campbell coming on. So make sure you follow that. And yeah, you can catch the podcast on Spotify or on YouTube. And CMP is our headline sponsor alongside being my sponsor. So check out CMP, yeah. they're pretty cool too. That's something we didn't mention, but you know. <laughs> we would, I've, I've totally sucked up all the airtime. Yeah, so we can finish there. Um, no, it's, honestly, it's been a pleasure having you on, Sarah. Um, thank you guys for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.